the day before Thanksgiving in 1971, a man identifying himself as Dan Cooper bought a plane ticket from Portland to Seattle. He hijacked the plane, claiming he had a bomb in his briefcase and demanded $200,000 in four parachutes. He jumped out of the plane with the money and the bomb somewhere over the Pacific Northwest, never to be seen again. The FBI claims to have investigated over a thousand people, including dozens of deathbed confessions. In 2016, 45 years after the hijacking, the FBI suspended its investigation of the case. While the FBI is no longer looking for D.B. Cooper, there is a community of people who are trying to solve the case on their own. Welcome to the Cooper Vortex. At CooperCon in November, I met this British dude who flew all the way to Portland just for the event. He ended up hanging out with the hard partying Cooper crew, which included myself. Man, we had fun that weekend. Anyway, uh, I told him I wanted to have him on the show, and we finally found the time to set up a transatlantic Zoom call. Enjoy this episode with my good friend, Robert Cox. Rob, when was the first time you heard about D.B. Cooper? Well, <laughs> I, I was hoping you'd ask me that question first because I've got a slightly interesting out and unusual answer to that in that um, I don't actually know, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds a bit odd, I know. But um, the reason I say that is because I've been aware of it for years. I'm talking like, you know, 20 odd years, maybe something like that. I've known, I've known about it. I've been aware that it was a, 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 a thing, you know, a real situation, um, a historical um, event. But I only really got into it as in, you know, became really interested in and discovered the vortex and everything else. Um, a, well, yeah, about a couple of years ago now, just as we got into the, uh, the lockdown during the first COVID outbreak uh, a couple of years ago. And um, that's when I, um, came across the um, History Channel documentary on um, Sky of it on Rackstraw, which was the um, the one by uh, Tom Colbert and his associates, wasn't it? Yes. I just happened to be idly. D.B. Cooper case closed with a question mark. That's the one. That's the one. Couldn't remember the title. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just happened to be idly, uh, you know, sort of um, mooching through TV channels on one evening when I had some time on my hands, I was, um, like many people, spending more time at home than usual, you know, having been furloughed from my job. And um, I just stumbled upon it. And, and, then I, and then I just suddenly remembered, oh, I remember that. And it sort of sprang forward from the back of my mind because, like I say, I knew about it from years ago. I want to say I'd sort of read something about it maybe in a, in a dim and distant, in the dim and distant past in a newspaper article or a magazine article or something like that. And thought to myself, um, well, that's interesting. That's a, a pretty cool mystery. You know, I, I, one day I'd like to maybe uh, research that a bit more and find out a bit more about it. Um, but then, you know, as, as often happens with a lot of things, you just sort of never get around to doing it. And I never did. But I, so, you know, but I was always aware of it from, from quite a long time ago. And then, of course, as I say, this opportunity sprang up um, in a way to, to, to get into it a bit more. So I noticed... <clears throat> Excuse me. I noticed uh, this this documentary on the uh, on the channel listings, and I thought, "All oh, right, yeah, I remember that. I always wanted to know a bit more about that and find out about it." So, so I put it on and uh, and watched the. I think it was you said it was two episodes, wasn't it? It was split into two uh, do- documentaries. Yeah, I think it was two hour long parts. Yeah, that that was it. Yeah, so I watched both, and uh, and of course, 
I don't mean, I don't know. I don't know what you think of it, but um, it, it's it was quite. It, it's well made. Obviously, it's sort of big budget. You know, uh, slick, well presented. And I kind of found myself thinking, oh right, wow, that, that was the guy then. This this Rackstraw, <laughs> which most people would probably scoff at now. And it didn't take me long to actually start thinking about it and work out, hey, wait a minute, you know, is it really him, or are there a lot of holes in that? And um, you know, I I uh, I soon. I soon moved on from the opinion that it was Rackstraw, put it that way, um, because I, <laughs> I decided that he wasn't a very good candidate after all. Um, but that's what, but that's what uh, kind of got me into it, and you know, sort of got me hooked on Cooper, you know, uh, in the first place, if you like, you know, if you disregard the article I read twenty years ago, or whatever. So, so, and then after that, um, I thought, right, well, okay, I, I want to know a bit more about this now. So, um, I think I, you know, what, well, obviously looked it up on. Uh, Wikipedia, which is probably most people's first port of call, and then I got a few books uh, on it. Read a couple of books. Um, what books did you get? I gotta know. I, I'm just trying to remember. I, I don't. The, the first one I got, and I'm trying to remember the title just to warn anybody else off it because it was absolutely terrible. And it, but it, it it was only a small thin book. It wasn't like one of the main ones. It, the, the, the the sort of um, better known, more uh, well established and well resourced books. I want to say it was by um, Francis somebody, um, but it was kind of just, it was just the first book I came across, you know, looking on Amazon and it was cheap. And, you know, I just thought, oh, right, I'll just, I'll just get that and, and see, um, see what it's all about. Um, but it was just, um, I mean, I, 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 I've discovered this since. I wasn't fully aware at the time because it was the first book I'd read on it, but it, it, it was so um, superficial, and a lot of the details were, were inaccurate. The, the 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 writing, the prose was awful. It was a. Re- I mean, I just don't know how it got published. Actually, thinking back, about it, it's just a, <laughs> it was a terrible book. It really was. It was just called. I think it was just called the like the DB Cooper mystery or something like that. Um, but um, anyway, it, it was awful. So I resolved to try and you know spend a bit more money and get some some better books. Um, and, um, so I, uh, I also then got hold of, um, the Into the Blast book about, uh, Kenny Christensen and, uh, also, um, the, uh, Gunther one, D.B. Cooper, what really happened. Um, and, and then subsequently to that, because it kind of follows on from that, I got Marty Andrade's book, um, the, um, Chasing the Last Lead. That's a great well. book. Yeah, yes, it is. Yeah, uh, and read that, and then obviously, uh, you know, just started looking things up a bit more online, and and, and just got a bit more into it. Um, so, um, so yeah, that, that kind of, and then I, obviously I, I discovered your, yourself and the and the podcast and, and you know everything else that, that's uh, wrapped up in that the CooperCon event where we met last year, um, and uh, you know sort of ended up um, where we're doing this with you now, which is fantastic. So, uh, by the way, just I meant just uh, on the subject of CooperCon. I mean, I know we're a few months after the fact now, but can I just put on record, um, you know, my appreciation to, and thanks and congratulations to you and Eric for for doing that such a great job. It was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. It was well worth the trip, and uh, you know, it was. A, I'm sure you've had lots of pats on the backs and well wishes from everybody except Dan Grider in the <laughs> in the time since. <laughs> 
But hey ho, you know, you can't please everybody. No, you can you? can't please everyone. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you had a great time since you flew halfway around the world to uh, to attend. I think do I, do I don't. I never uh, established it firmly, but I, I, I do. I, I assume I may well possibly hold the record for the farthest, you know, the, the furthest distance traveled to attend a CooperCon. Yeah, I would say, you know, London area to the west coast of the United States is a pretty long ways. Yeah, yeah it was pretty bad because until a couple of a couple of weeks before the event, beforehand, I wasn't even I wasn't going. I didn't have a ticket, the flight, well, nothing because of the um, the COVID restrictions were only lifted over there a couple of weeks before before the event, which was really lucky. Good deal. OK, now I got to ask you, what do you think of the Max Gunther book? D.B. Cooper, what really happened? Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I I wanted to talk to you a bit about that. I've made a few notes actually on, uh, just to mention a few, bring up a few points on it. I I really I liked. It. I thought it was a good read. I enjoyed reading the book. And um, you know, it's I, I think the best way to sum it up, I think it's 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 a bit of an enigma, isn't it? So you, I, it sure I, is. Yeah. And um, you know, it's it be, and it's it's on. I mean, I've not I've only read a few, but I have read. Uh, by any means, all or even most of the books that are written on Cooper, but it, it it's um, it, it's unlike any of the other books, isn't it? In that it's not it's not profiling a, a particular suspect, although it is in a way, but but not a named suspect, you know, who who who's identifiable, and and neither is it giving like a um, a specific kind of scientific angle or, or forensic angle on it. It's it's just obviously it's this representation of of from Max Gunther of, of his interactions mostly obviously with with the, the, the lady who's called Clara and also but also briefly obviously with Cooper himself allegedly you know it's um it, I think it, there's a lot I've made, I say, I've made some little notes and points here just to the things that I wanted to discuss with you about it but there are a lot I've actually reread it just recently or, or sort of briefly sort of nipped through skim read through it in in preparation for doing this because I wanted to sort of refresh myself on it a bit but there are a lot of you know you could call them inaccuracies errors um misrepresentations of things of, of the event um and things that stand out that make that kind of suggest well you know maybe maybe it maybe there maybe it's, it's not a true um document maybe 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 this was maybe this was invented but then that's a strange concept because by all accounts, this guy, Max Gunther, was like, you know, an accredited professional journalist, well-respected, had good standing. And also, what would, why would he want to do something like that and fake something like that? It, it's, it's a bit bizarre. And if it's faked, it's not very interesting if it's fake. If you're going to make a fake D.B. Cooper story, you can make it much more interesting than that. Yeah, that, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, you're quite right there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't do a very good job if it is a fake, did he? No, but I, I, I don't. You know, it's kind of it's it's partly convincing, but then, as I say, it, it, there's a bit. I mean, of course, you, you know, it was written. We have to remember, I suppose, it was written. Uh, was it 80, 85, 86, or something like mid eighties? I believe eighty five. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, so you're talking 30, 30 or thirty five years ago from now, and also fifteen years after the facts as, as well, uh, after the actual event. And of course, Max Max Gunther is no longer around to to speak about it or um, or answer, answer for any of the, the the information that's in it. But um, it's uh, yeah, I, I just think, as I say, I, 
I reread it, and some of the things that stood out for me um, a little bit um, that made me sort of question it, it's, it's um, authenticity, um, were, were some of the small details. I think Marty Andrade covers them a little bit as well. He mentions them in, 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 his, in, his, in his book. In his, um, he does a bit of a review of, of the Gunther text in his book. Um, but, for instance, one of the... Uh, obviously, we, we know that Cooper was partial to uh, a bourbon and soda. Um, or at least he seemed to be, because that's the drink. And he had a couple of those drinks on the plane, didn't he? But according to the book, to the Gunther book, he, he, he says that the only drink that Cooper ever liked was brandy. That's right. I was thinking it was gin in my head for a second, but you're right. It's, it's brandy. In no, the it's book. brandy. That she, um, the, 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 he, he tells um, the girl, Clara, to, to get him a bottle of brandy from the shop. Uh, you know, this is during his sort of convalescence period after the the hijack when he's staying with her, and uh, it says, "Oh, it's the only drink." It says it's the only drink he's ever ever truly liked. Now you could say it's a small detail. It could have easily been kind of lost in you know a miscommunication or translation down the years, whatever. But it's a quite a specific thing uh, considering. I mean, I think we it's it's pretty. Pretty certain that it was bourbon that we was served on the flight. So, you know, is that a bit of a um, glaring error or, um, you know, oversight? I don't know. But it's just something that kind of jumps out at me and think, right, OK, well, that doesn't fit. Also, as well, the other uh, another little item was and it struck me. Um, again, it, it may not be that significant, but it says when she challenges him about whether or not he is Cooper. Uh, and, and this could be, it's just, as again, the way Max Gunther's written it, um, how he's presenting the information. And of course, you know, we've got to remember kind of what we're getting is like, a, I suppose, a secondhand story from this lady called Clara, who alleges that she spent this time with Cooper. So it's all kind of, you know, it's not firsthand and absolutely bona fide verifiable stuff you know and you have to accept that i suppose but what struck me is that is it, it in one of the chapters it, it when she as i say when she challenges him about his identity true identity she says to him you're that you're the famous hijacker or the, i think it, the, the word is used, you're the infamous hijacker db cooper aren't you and he says apparently he, he didn't challenge he didn't try to deny it he just admitted and said yes but he wouldn't. The thing to me was, unless, as again, as I say, again, Max Gunther just made this a small um, error in, in in detail. He would never have heard the term DB Cooper. He would have. He would have. He knew he put Dan Cooper on the ticket. So surely his response would have been, "Who? <laughs> you know, who is DB Cooper? You know, I'm I'm Dan Cooper. Who is this DB guy?" So, you know, there's another small detail, you know, is it, is it, is it anything of, is it of any great significance? Maybe, I don't know, uh, but, you know, it's just something that stood out to me as being a bit of a kind of um, uh, anomaly in, in the whole thing. And then there's other uh, detail aspects to it as well um, that I found strange or a little bit of sort of, um, you know, anomalous. The way that it sounds like, that they stayed in the, she obviously, Clara had, was at this house, according to the book, looking after her, her uncle's house on, which is on the shore of a, a I think a lake somewhere um, in the area. Where, I mean, I think where you're originally from, but is it, is it Woodland you're originally from in, yep. in Washington? 
mm-hmm. right, which is sort of right in the, you know, midst of, of, of the um, of the the identified area, isn't it? You know, yeah, it's the closest town to the drop zone. So, so after a short while, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think days, if not days, and a couple of weeks, the the, the, the FBI kind of zeroed in on that area as being the search area, hadn't they? Mm-hmm. It didn't take them long to narrow it down to that. And so you would have thought, if he was still in that area, you would have thought they would have gone around every house and dwelling in that area, and 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 spoke and and searched and spoken to people, and and you know, and according, but according to how how I read it, what it seems to say in the Gunther book is that. He lies low with her in that house for quite some time before they decide. And, and, and apparently, you know, he's, he's introduced or, or she tells neighbours and friends that the, the, he's a cousin visiting from wherever. I don't know, you know, the east or something. But it just seems strikes me as, as, a, as a little bit strange. And it would be something that, you know, you know, would have been hard to kind of pass off at the time as just being, you know, oh, yeah, this is this uh, cousin of mine. He's visiting me. He's got nothing to do, you know, I would have thought, you know, if he was in the area, you know, he would be, he would have wanted to get out of the area basically as quickly as possible. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like a wise thing to do, having just, you know, committed this crime of the century to just uh, hang around in the area where you've committed the crime for. However, it, it's, it's, it's unspecific. I don't know how. It's hard to tell how long there is actually staying there in the house with her for. But to me, it, it doesn't sound like they clear out of there straight away. He's there with her for some time. So, you know, and, and that that is a strange one on me. You know, I would have thought that she, you know, as I say, he'd want to get out of there. And and um and it's not it's not it's not a thing she's gonna get, you know, why why would she tell why would she tell Max Gunther that if it wasn't true? You know what I mean? It's 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 um it's another thing about it that rings slightly untrue to me, that, that it doesn't seem very plausible. So yeah, I, I, it's there's several things about. It. As I say, I, it's it's a really interesting book and and a unique one on the case. But just um, several of these um, little details that that just are quite striking. Um, oh, oh yeah, there's the, and another one. I've just written it down here. That I was going to mention as well. That seems again, it could just be you know um, information being passed on that's not recorded properly, misinterpreted, whatever. But uh, apparently, he tells her that uh, Cooper tells Clara that the captain of the plane, Captain Scott, came came out to speak to him and sat next to him on the flight, and he showed him the bot, uh, you know, but in the process of the hijacking, um, and we just know that that just didn't happen. That he, he, no, none of the flight crew came out of the cockpit; they stayed in there, and the only crew that dealt with Cooper was um, the, the the cabin crew behind. You know that that is a definite real misnomer you know it just doesn't fit in at all that that is just totally wrong so again it's um it's it's just one of those several small details which which just don't ring true about it and uh, i suppose as i say you've got to allow for the fact that it when it was written how the information was relayed to him possibly the state of mind of um this lady clara as well yeah i don't know it's it's one i don't think anybody can really make them can come to a uh, a real solid conclusion on the Gunther book, can they? About how 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 seriously to take it or not? No, uh, there are a few people in, in the vortex who have really looked into this book. You know, Marty especially um, and Dave have put a lot of time looking at this Gunther book. They've tried to get a hold of uh, Max Gunther's relatives to see if he had any notes from writing this book. 
you know, maybe if they could figure out who Clara was, like you said, it's just this total enigma. I mean, what are the odds that you have a gal staying alone in a cabin? She goes out to the woodshed. There's a man, an injured criminal in the woodshed. What are the odds that she then develops a relationship with that guy? That seems pretty low. And yeah. but also, like you were saying about Max and, Gunter, and it sounds like the stuff of, of fiction as well. You know, like and that it's a good story. Yeah, if my wife walked out to the woodshed and there was a, a wounded man in there, she's going to run screaming the other direction. She's True. not going to be like, "Hey, dude, do you need do you need a hand? Do you need some help?" Yeah. Although that said, I suppose that's you know, fifty years ago, maybe, maybe, maybe. You know, the world was a different place and, and maybe that wouldn't be the initial reaction. That's true. Yeah. And d- different people would have much different reactions to it. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, if I went out to my woodshed and there was a beautiful one wounded woman there, you know, I'm not <laughs> not going to run away. That, that sounds like a story you've tried to write. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it has cheesy music playing under it when uh, I do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the idea that you have a a real serious journalist who releases this intentionally as nonfiction, and then he says in the book, you know, I'm I'm paraphrasing poorly because it's been a while since I've read it, but he basically says, you know, this is the story that I've been told. I believe it to be true. I can't prove it, but I believe that it's true. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, that's you're right. That's that's the, essentially what he says. Yeah, and um, I suppose that that makes you feel inclined to want to take him at face value on that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it is a slightly. I mean, it, it kind of it, it's a The whole thing is plausible. Um, I think in, in in the overarching kind of the thread of the book and and the the book as a whole, the story as a whole is plausible. It's just these. Um, several, you know, so a lot, a lot of these small details which don't seem to quite be right and don't seem to quite fit. Then, of course, again, as I say, it, it is, a, is it, is it um, a case of, uh, you know, secondhand information, years old, being passed, you know, obviously the information secondhand to Clara from Cooper, and then she's passing it on thirdhand to Gunther. And of course, he, he's obviously done his own research and and and, and spoken to people around the involved in the case as well to get more information from from his off his own back and yeah i don't know it's 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 hard to to real to come to a real sort of um firm conclusion on it but um but yeah it was uh, you know it was it's a great it's a good book to i think it's a book that anybody interested in cooper really should read it's one of the sort of um cornerstones of the the whole or the pillars of the whole um cooper facade you know cooper legend isn't it yeah i agree with that i mean there are a bunch of people who haven't haven't read it or even have a like a hostility towards reading it like i'm not going to read that book it's just lies and conjecture and it's a made-up story but i i agree with you i do think it is important if you're real interested in db cooper there's this one book called db cooper what really happened and (laughs) it that book in itself is a mystery i mean we we don't have max gunther around to ask him about the book no. And we don't know who Clara is. We don't know who Dan LeClaire is. The, the other the other one last thing just to mention on it, while we're on the Gunther book, that I've just seen in my notes here that, um, that I didn't uh, not mention to you yet. Um, the money. Um, 
and this is a this is like this is I mean this is quite a crucial detail really. The, the money he, he claims that they laundered the money through casinos. So that's quite a that's a big call, isn't it? You know, because I think the general consensus is that well, obviously the, none of the money ever, apart from obviously the money at Tina Bar, none of the money's ever turned up anywhere. Is that because nobody's ever found it, or because it was never spent? So, but the Gunther book comes down sort of specifically on one side of that argument, which is yes, they got the money entered circulation. It was laundered through casinos, I think, in various places, and um, but quite a long time after the fact. So. It's kind of, in, you know, implies that that was the reason that the money was never discovered. But I mean, obviously, you had the podcast with the guy, didn't you? Who was the money expert who who said it would be virtually impossible for that money for for not none of it ever to be discovered if it was in the general circulation. So I don't, you know, that that's a big kind of bit, almost like a big. I mean, I know if you're taking it at face value, Gunther's just 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 relaying the, what Clara's told him. But that's a big call, really, for the book to make to say that all the money went into circulation. And none of it has ever been discovered, and that that's a that's possibly the, the the toughest thing to swallow for me. And the whole Gunther story, the fact that he claims that all the money entered circulation, because that yeah, I, I don't know. You just kind of think somebody, if it was the whole, and well, that wasn't all of it, was it? Because they didn't they didn't retrieve all of it. So, you know, somehow or other, some of it was lost forever in the woods and they never they found about half of it i think didn't they a bit more than half um according to what he says in the book about 120,000 something like that but virtually all of that was eventually you know a few years down the line but eventually laundered and put into circulation so uh yeah i just i find that a bit hard to swallow that if the whole lot all of that money 120 odd thousand was in circulation uh, eventually that none of it ever turned up. I don't know. We, we'll never know, I suppose. And, and you can't come come down on one side or the other 100%. But yeah, that, that for me is perhaps one of the, the boldest um, things about the book, if you like. You know, the thing that sticks out the most is that it specifically says the money went into circulation. So what happened to it? <laughs> All right. You have, to, you have to bet your rent money. Is the book real or is it fiction? If I have to bet my rent money, I think I'd have to say that it was fiction because I just don't, I don't trust it enough. I want to believe it's true, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's, it doesn't, yeah, the, the, there's too many question marks hanging over it. And yeah, I, I, if I was really, you know, if you were forcing me at gunpoint to go and come down on one side or the other, I, I think I'm going to have to say that it, I'm not sure that it is genuine. It's just, and I don't, I can't really tell you specifically why I think that, but it's just, yeah. I don't know. It's it's a bit of a hunch, I suppose. It's, it's it's it just seems to have a lot of holes in it. It's just another mystery inside the Cooper. Vortex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's just added. To, <laughs> he's added to the mystery. Like it wasn't enough. Like there wasn't enough mystery involved in it to start with. <laughs> but Mark, but just I I followed on through though. Marty's, as you say, Marty's book is great, and that, that obviously goes into a lot of. De- and I think Marty. I spoke to Marty at, at CooperCon along with several other people, which, which is another fantastic aspect to it, by the way, you know, having, having, having such a great cast of characters from the Cooper world there, that was brilliant. So I spoke to Marty about it and he, he seemed, I don't know, he, I didn't speak to him at length about it, but it, it sounded like to me he was, he kind of um, shifted his opinion a bit now and he doesn't uh, give as much credence as he used to do in terms of thinking that the, 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 uh, the Dan LeClaire suspect is actually Cooper. Uh, I think that's correct. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, and I, as I say, I, I didn't get a chance to do, go in to discuss it with him at that great length as to 
as to exactly why or what his, his new his alternative theory is now. But um, I don't know whether he's discovered a new suspect or somebody else or whether there's just more information that's come to light that's made him doubt it, doubt it, um, you know, a bit more. I think uh, Dave has sort of picked up that torch and uh, maybe he's trying to connect William J. Smith to the Gunther book. Yeah, Dave, Dave Feudman, that is, isn't it? Yeah. Dave, yeah, who, who, who was going by anonymous, but has now um, out, outed himself. Spoiler <laughs> <just> alert. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's I. Uh, yeah, well, he, he, uh, he's great. another guy I spoke to at CooperCon and, and met. Uh, he's a great guy, Dave was. I, I must admit, I I I did like uh, his suspect. I did like William J. Smith for a time. I thought he was onto something, but I, I've since slightly could have gone a bit cooler on that. Um, I'm not so sure about it anymore. But I I, I noticed it because he, he had a little website going, didn't he, Dave? He put something up on the on the on the web. He created yeah. a little website about it, and it, it's it's gone. They took it down. I think he said to do some updates on it, um, or uh, you know, um, more research or something. But I don't know where he is with that at, at the moment. I don't know whether you do whether whether he's um, going to be putting something back up online, or whether he's had a change of heart, or, or what what the situation is with that. I'm not sure. I think he's still still working on it. It's one of those suspects where you can get him to a certain point. Like, mm. yeah, he matches the sketch. He has this military experience. Uh, we can sort of account for some of the particles on the tie this way. Uh, he has this connection and that connection. But yeah. it's, you can't, like, if if that's, there was one suspect who we could say, oh, yeah, and for sure he was at the Portland International Airport, November 24th, yeah. 1971, then, it, then it's completely different. But we don't have a single suspect that we can put at the airport or on that plane. Yeah, that, that, that's a good that's a good way of putting it actually to say that he, he's he's good, he's he's excellent up to a point, and then it starts to get a bit sketchy. I mean, I also as well, which is for me is almost a reason to kind of veer away from him. He's his resemblance to the sketch, the age profile sketch. The one that they did, which was aged by, I don't know whether it was maybe 30 years or something. And then there's that picture of, of William Smith uh, of a similar kind of age from the newspaper clip or whatever, who almost looks identical to it. You know, and, and you see that and you think, my God, wow, that, that's the guy. <laughs> but then, <laughs> um, but, but I think that, that, that is one of the, uh, as with, must be the case with all sorts of, of, of you know, true crime uh, stories matching a, a, a picture to a, to a profile, an, an image, uh, you know, uh, just because somebody looks like the suspect image is not necessarily, you know, a good reason for believing they're the suspect. Yeah, and in this case, we don't even have the image. We have a police sketch. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, well, that's true. And But all, as well, though, uh, on that, I, I think, and, and, yeah, I'm glad we've gone into this because this, this is a, um, one of the um, things I've, thought about a bit those two images uh the what what that the referred to as the bing crosby and the um cary grant cary grant sketch yeah the trouble with them and there's another was there another there's been another one since there's another third one there are there's like seven uh, official sketches i believe so you have this well, initial right. initial one where i believe that one was from florence and it's real like real rough pen drawing and Cooper looks mean and angry and his face sort of pointed. 
and then you had the Bing Crosby sketch um, with and without glasses. And then about a year later, they weren't getting any action off that sketch. So they went back and created another one. And that's the Cary Grant sketch. And then Unsolved Mysteries, I believe, did the aged age progression one. Yeah, right. Well, for me, the, the thing with the, the images is, and I think this is probably, as I say, I think a general um, issue with identifying criminal suspects in the way that something that's changed over the years. What they do now, or they seem to do now, when you see, you know, you watch crime documentaries and things on TV, the, the eFit pictures that they come up with are all computer generated, but they don't actually look like a real person. They're kind of like a, a homogenized, uh, you know, a blend of, of the features that people have, dis- that, that, that the witnesses and, and, and so on have described. And the computer puts them all together as, you know, to sort of best represent how this person may look. But it doesn't actually, it looks like, it doesn't look human. They don't actually look like a real human being. It looks like a, a slightly odd representation of a person. Whereas the, the Cooper sketches, the FBI sketches, and presumably this was how things was done back in those days, they, even though they look like a real person, even though that person doesn't exist, if you see what I'm, what I'm trying to say, you know, Cooper does not look identic, exactly like any of the sketches that have ever been done of him, does he? The real probably Cooper. not. No, but but the thing the thing is so but those sketches look like a specific person. So that's the kind of you know people see that and then that's what they that's what they're looking for in, in Cooper. But of course he doesn't actually look like that because you know that that that's just an artist's impression and that actual that actual image what you see just that 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 person doesn't exist. So for me, I think it's dangerous to. Um, to link suspects too firmly just based on the on the image profile and the resemblance to the sketches. Obviously, they need it's going to be similar. You know, it's not going to look like a completely different person. You know, he's not going to look like, um, you know, I don't know, it's not like Donald Trump, is he, or whoever. But it, it, it's not going to look exactly like uh, any of the images either, which can be misleading and I think can sometimes, you know, give certain... Um, uh, suspects who who've been proposed give them a bit more maybe a bit more weight than that they might actually merit i think that's definitely true especially you know the bing crosby sketch and the Cary grant sketch those don't look alike those don't look like the same person no so no, that's true you can if you have a suspect if you're trying to push your grandpa being db cooper on me rob you could say well he looks a lot like the Cary grant sketch my grandpa looks just like him but he doesn't really look like the Bing Crosby sketch. So you could sort of pick which, which sketch your suspect matches better. Yeah. 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 Very true. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I kind of, I kind of veered away from William Smith a bit because I thought, well, yeah, that could be, you know, you can get caught up in the fact that he looks similar to, to the sketch. Um, Yeah. One or two other aspects as well of, of William. I just, I think the, um, the motive's slightly questionable, isn't it? With the the train thing, the railroad bankruptcy, it's a little bit of a hard link, you know, tough link for me to go from that to hijacking an airliner, you know. And yeah, it's 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 a hard it's a, it's kind of hard to make the connection, I think. And also as well, 
this, the name Dan Leclerc in the Gunther book, which I think Dave was linking his, to William with, because he's got this, the, a friend of his was called Dan Clare. So I can't remember the exact connection now, but. That sounds about right. Yeah, that he's got that, it connects the name with Dan. But of course, Dan Leclerc is just a made up name. Gunther just made the name up, didn't he? It's a pseudonym he gives to, because he doesn't know what the real name, what his name actually was. Maybe. So, so Dan Leclerc is just invented. And I, I thought, well, um, Dave seemed to be making this connection with this guy called Dan Clare, who was a friend of William Smith's. And that, that's, that's what made, you know, why he was saying he was a potentially, um, he was a potential in, in involvement in it. But for me, yeah, I, 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 I don't know whether he, 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 I don't know whether he, he took the name, he misinterpreted the, the, the fact that Gun, the Dan Leclerc name as, as being an actual true name. You know, the, 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 of the suspect, whereas obviously it was just made up by Gunther. So he, Dan Leclerc is just a, uh, you know, is just a made up name. Yeah, there's the there's weird details in that book where you think, OK, based on this information, I can start looking. You know, yeah. I remember the first time I read it, I thought, OK, well, there's probably only a dozen, a dozen lakes in and around the drop zone. So let me go looking for cabins. Um, and see sort of where he could have landed. And, you know, I was, I think I drew a sketch of what I thought the place looked like based on the book and then got on Google Earth and I'm going to solve this case myself. And it's, that's so fruitless. Uh, every house is the same from the sky. And, it, it, you know, yeah. there's probably only a handful of, of places around the drop zone where you can have a house on the lake. Did, did you still, when you discovered Cooper, uh, did you, do you, were you still living in that, that area or had you moved away then? When I got real heavy into it, I had moved away. But okay. um, I went to DB Cooper days at the aerial store uh, a right. few times, but I was just there to drink. I, I wish I could go back in time now and, and know like, hey, Bruce Smith was there and, and I think Robert Blevins was there one year um galen cook you know these people who now i love to hang out and, and talk with the idea that i was in the same room as them and didn't care at all it kind of bugs me now yeah but hey but i mean it would have been good fun to be there i would have they looked like such fantastic fun those events they were a blast i mean yeah. this bar in the middle of nowhere one night a year it was just absolutely yeah. packed You'd park on the road and walk into pitch black through the woods to get to this <laughs> bar because you couldn't get close enough. It sounds it was amazing. A, yeah. It was a cool place. And unfortunately, now it's does the place still exist? Is it in a state of disrepair? Is it some? Is it being sold to somebody? It's no longer a bar. Do you know what happened to it? Uh, I know the couple that purchased it. I think they want to really want to get it operational again, but that's. Okay. Uh, it's quite the chore. Yeah, mate, I imagine so. Yeah, no, but that, that must have been, uh, yeah, some of the, it just looks like a, a, a bit of kind of um, like a time capsule thing, you know, just um, sort of set in a certain, looks like something that's come from a bygone era. Oh, 100%. Um, <laughs> and I used to, uh, when I worked in that area, I would drive by and Donna sort of, Towards the end, the hours were if the lights are on, we're open. If the lights aren't on, we're closed. Those were the hours. And so I would drive by and if it was open, I'd swing in and 
it was uh it was cash only which you know towards the end became inconvenient like who has cash anymore yeah sure yeah of course but uh it was a, it was a cool place and of course there's always the and the the, the the speculation that has always been out down the years um, as to whether the the real Cooper actually ever showed up there. Oh yeah, and Brian Woodruff, really kind of, which is really fun to 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 kind of speculate on. Oh yeah, and and Brian Woodruff got these letters in the mail. Um, I'm not sure if it was every year or every few years, but he believed those letters were from DB Cooper, and he, he showed them to me one year. I think he uh, got this letter. And the guy mailed him fifty dollars. It was like, "Hey, um, enjoy my anniversary. Have a drink on me." <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if that's someone just screwing around with with Brian in the aerial store and getting a laugh, or uh, did, if did it he was check real. the serial numbers? <laughs> it was a fifty. <laughs> oh, 50. Oh, right. Okay, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, a little, a little bit of um, a history from a bygone age, but um, yeah. So anyway, where were we? Let's go to the flight path. Ah, right, cool. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's good that you 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 know what you're doing. You can uh, implement a little bit of structure to this chat because it's it's easy just to get go off down a tangent and just you know start rabbiting on about different aspects before you know what you're talking about. Something that's completely got nothing to do with the case, <laughs> um, you know, so that nobody wants to listen to any either. Yeah, flight path. Okay. I think, I mean, I've um, obviously aware of Eric's position on this and, and I've been watching with interest some of the stuff he's been putting up about the, you know, his, um, his, uh, his exploits on, on Tina Barr and, and, and what he thinks about the flight path and everything. But I'm not with him. I think, I'm not saying it's 100% spot on, but I, I'm not sure that there's, a, there's enough reasoning, enough strong reasoning to, to, to not believe the official FA, um, FBI well, FAA, I suppose, as well, isn't it? FBI, FAA flight path, um, what, what, what is provided, um, you know, which is essentially, it's, it's the Victor 23 airway, isn't it, really? That's what they say, and it flew down. Yeah. I mean, for me, it, it seems plausible. I don't think there's enough, because it seems like the only reason that you really need to, for motive, if you, if you like, for believing that the flight path is wrong, is to explain how the money got to Tina Barnes. So, because obviously the Western flight path, which is Eric's proposal, isn't it, is, is more or less, is pretty much looks like a straight line virtually all the way down, straight across the, the top, over the top of Tina Bar and, 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 and further down. And obviously that's how he believes the money ended up there. I, I don't happen to believe that's how the money got there, but I mean, I won't digress into that just now because I'm sure we'll come on to the money shortly. But no, I, I believe the flight, I think, and the other thing as well, just referring it back to CooperCon, what, what reinforced my opinion on this is hearing from Cliff Ammerman um, at CooperCon, which was, which was fantastic to get him there. And it was really interesting listening to him. Uh, and I spoke to him myself just personally as well, just briefly afterwards. He seemed convinced that was the route he was taking. And as he went as far as to say he could see him making turns on his radar at least I think that's what he meant, unless I've misinterpreted it, you know, that were consistent with, with the Victor 23 airway. So, you know, for me, that that's good enough for me kind of thing. You know, it's um, his, I, 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 I was already inclined to believe in that the, the FBI flight path was, was true or near enough. Um, and then to have his kind of, his, 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 him reinforce it, at CooperCon was enough, give it enough weight for me to think that, yeah, that, that, that's, that's believable. It, I don't see that there's anything strong enough evidence to suggest that it wasn't true. So 
I would go along with the, the FBI flight path there, there by the associated drop zone area. So the drop zone, you believe that's accurate too? Yeah, again, more or less. I mean, of course, you've got to remember, and I think Cliff himself said this, didn't he, at CooperCon, you know, the, the, the technology they had at the time, you know, it's not going to be absolutely spot on to within like 10 meters or something like that. But, you know, it's going to be roughly within, say, mile or something like that, maybe a um, couple of miles at the most, you would think, um, you know, specifically, be, particularly because, you know, that was a pretty dangerous thing to do, really, flying an airliner at just 10,000 feet in a region in the dark, in bad weather, in a region where, in a mountainous region, you know, you're going to be pretty certain of where you're going and what what you you're trying to avoid haven't you <laughs> yeah crashing into a mountain would be a bummer yeah and, and and the guy the flight crew sounds like you know they particularly captain scott sounds like the kind of guy he sounds like the ultimate professional you know all right they were under a, a stressful situation it was a highly unusual situation and they were kind of probably making some things up as they went along over and so I'm, I'm, I'm talking about everybody when i say that you know because it was unprecedented, wasn't it? You know, the FBI, the police, the FAA, the Air Force, the crew, they would have been kind of acting on the hoof a little bit. But also, you know, the guy's a professional pilot. He knows what he's doing. He's probably flown that route in that area several times. Even under those, those circumstances of, 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 of pressure and, and stress and worry, obviously, I suppose, I, I, I'd be surprised if he just went, just flew in a straight line straight you know in the western flight path in the dark you know not really knowing exactly what was in front of him i just don't see that i i think he stuck to the victor 23 airway pretty much do you think cooper survived his jump oh here's a good one yes yes i do because because really the the only only, because nothing was ever found apart from the money for him to die the, the only way that can happen for me, is if he doesn't pull the ripcord and he plummets straight into a body of water, whether it's the Columbia, whether it's Lake Merwin, whether it's one of the other rivers, whatever, and drowns and is never discovered. Because any other scenario, if he, if he, if he, um, obviously, I, I think he survived, so I think he landed. He may well have got injured a bit, but he managed to get out the area, took stuff with him, hit it, whatever, and that's why. And, and then lay low and, and just never surface. That's why nothing was ever found. The only other explanation why nothing was ever found is, as I say, is, is if he, he, he didn't pull the ripcord and just ended up falling into a body of water and drowning and all the stuff, the parachute and everything else went with him and it was either washed out to sea or it's just got buried in the sediment at the bottom of the, the river or the, the lake or whatever, wherever he actually ended up. Um, because that would explain why nothing's ever found. If he pulled the ripcord and the parachute deploys, even if he dies, either from injury on landing or exposure and, and you know, just can't get out of the woods and, and, and dies of dehydration, whatever, in the woods, somebody finds something. Some, I you know, agree. There's, do you agree? Yeah, I think I've heard you say that before. There's no way, especially a whopping great big parachute, you know, it's just, and even if he lands in the water with the parachute deployed, even if he drowns, there and again, the parachute gets found because that's going to float, isn't it? You would think. Yeah, I would think so. There'd be some, I mean, they searched Lake Merwin with a submarine. Hmm. And I agree with you. I think there is some chance of a no pull and he's not found. Because um, if it's a no pull, even on land, 
you'd have to walk over that specific spot to exactly find him and time has gone on however if you read marty's book uh finding db cooper chasing the last lead uh, the number of no pulls is statistically very very small and if you pull and your parachute opens the odds that you survive is very very high yeah, I, I, he was really thorough on that, wasn't it? I was impressed with that research he did onto that, into the, the RAF uh, jumps in World War II. It was really, um, you know, it was a, it was a great bit of uh, research and diligence to, to look into that. Oh, and, absolutely. And, and what, what better comparison? You yeah, have yeah. these guys in planes that are being shot down, um, and some of them had one or two jumps. Most of them just had classroom training, like, hey, this is your parachute. This is the string that you pull on for it to open. And hopefully you'll land on your feet. And then and they're, they're doing it and being shot the down job. at night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. So they're, they've got the added 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 threat of, 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 of uh, the Germans shooting at them. I mean, Cooper didn't have anybody trying to shoot him down, as far as we know. <laughs> so <laughs> well, well, the chase planes, you never saw him. So they weren't a threat. But but yeah sure and so they're like I say and they're in the dark they don't know where they're landing they can't see where they're landing and the vast vast majority um, you know um, it's not, never mind survive they survive on injured so as, as you know as you said that yeah even if he, even if he doesn't pull the cord and lands on land something would have been found somewhere by somebody by now just going back though to say the reason why I, I think um, he may not have pulled the cord. It's only a slim chance, but it is a real chance. He could have had a heart attack at the time when he was jumping out. I mean, that's not beyond the possibility realms of possibility because it was a stressful situation. You know, guys of that age in the 70s, he's a smoked, he drank. He probably wasn't, although he would, by all accounts, he would have been a fairly lean guy, pretty probably in reasonable condition, probably fairly fit. You know, there would have been a high possibility under such a stressful situation. No matter how calm he came across and appeared to be handling the situation with such, uh, you know, um, composure and, and, you know, almost seemed relaxed at times, it, it would have been, you know, he would have been on edge. He would have been, the adrenaline would have been pumping. You know, it's impossible for it not to have been. So it's a real possibility that he could have possibly had a heart attack during the actual execution of the jump and then being incapacitated and not being able to, to pull the ripcord. Or, of course, the ripcord, the parachute could have failed, but that's even less likely, I think. Boy, if he has a heart attack, what an embarrassing ending to the story. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it, I, I, nobody wants, don't get me wrong, I do not, nobody wants that. That is, no, we don't, I mean, <laughs> you could probably never prove that anyway now, even if, even if something was found. But, you know, no, it's just, but that to me, that's why I think the most likely scenario is that he survived and got out of there because, because the only way he didn't is, is if that happened, basically. And that's a pretty slim possibility. I, I would give that a 5% chance, maybe, of being the actual, the actual event, the way that the events unfolded. Here's a wild uh, left turn, but you're in the UK. It's safe to say that. It um, certainly is, yeah. Looks how, like many, how many people do you run into where it's like, hey, do you want to talk about D.B. Cooper? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, no, not very many. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, one or two people. I, I've but since I've got into this, one or two people. Nobody of my own age or younger. Oh, sorry, no, beg your pardon. One one friend of mine who is the same age as me uh, is is aware of it and has heard of it, but doesn't really know much about it or or is interested in it. 
But other than that, there's a couple of other people at work through just through work, older than me, about 20, about well, yeah, 20 odd years older than me. They're, they're about about 60 odd now. Uh, they were aware of it and they'd heard of it, and you know, kind of, yeah, thought there was an interesting thing, but never really looked into it that deeply, uh, you know, and don't really know a great deal about it. But but very few, no, it's kind of, my parents. I, I spoke to my parents about it, obviously that I mentioned to them. Um, I told them I was going last year, and and they didn't know about it, and uh, you know they they were. Uh, I think it was. I mean, I don't know. I think it was publicised here at the time. I'm sure it would have been. I think it was publicised around the world, wasn't it? You know, it was a pretty pretty remarkable thing at the time. But I think just because in the meantime, nothing nothing has ever been. There's been no developments really, and and, and no, it, the case hasn't really been able been able to move be progressed any further along. It's probably just passed out of people's general consciousness, and and it's. No, it's very cult over here now. Although the um, and I think I mentioned this to you when we were at CooperCon, the profile got raised a bit uh, last uh, no year before last now, 2020 when the documentary was on the HBO BBC one, um, and then and then that was on BBC and then there was a bit a bit of radio coverage as well on on Radio Five Live over here, which is BBC. Um, that's quite prominent, you know. That's a nationwide thing, and and they did a bit uh, a. a a quite a long uh, program on on that on it so i'd probably raise the profile a little bit and it's maybe got a little bit of um it goes around the 50th anniversary and everything it's maybe got a little bit more um, garnered a bit more attention than in you know preceding years but but generally no it's low profile here and i think unless something major develops you know or i.e you know something is found or his identity is, is revealed it's probably not going to really gain much um you know prominence over here um, in the state, well, it doesn't really have that much prominence in the states anymore. I don't think, does it? Apart from in that 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 region up in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, outside of Portland, Seattle area. Uh, if I walk out my front door in Colorado here and start asking people, "Hey, do you know about DB Cooper?" Certainly, everyone my age is going to say no, um, or <laughs> yeah. it, they'll say, "Oh, you mean that thing that was in Loki for sixty seconds?" But yeah, it's not uh, it's not the most most popular thing going on over here what was what was the reaction when you told people that you were going to travel to portland oregon to go to a db cooper conference they, they kind of said what where, where? <laughs> why <laughs> yeah there was a bit of a, a few head, the heads you know some raised eyebrows and a bit of head scratching um you know most of my my friends and people i know you know probably think i'm a bit weird anyway <laughs> uh, so I'm sure you can relate to that. <laughs> so they just kind of shrugged and said, "Well, hey, have a have a good time, enjoy it." <laughs> How dare you make that comparison? How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> I think everybody who's in who's in any way invested in this and and got any certain you know level of interest in it is uh, you know well not weird. That's the wrong word to use. I don't know. Um, eccentric maybe to a certain degree or <laughs> yeah that's a much friendlier word eccentric you know where i'm going don't you? Um, why do you think this is still unsolved well that's a good question yeah it's but because he did it so well maybe it's probably the best answer to that because he, he, he accomplished it so well and and i mean if you know going along as i say I, I, I i'm inclined to believe that he got away with it and survived so the answer to that is because he 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 did it bloody well, you know, and whether that was through design, more by design or by, by good fortune or probably a combination of both. He covered his tracks well, you know, obviously he slipped. There's a couple of minor 
um, errors uh, or slip ups, you know, obviously leaving the tie behind. Um, although he probably, he probably, I don't know whether that was de- deliberate or just accidental. He probably didn't think much of it anyway. You know, even if he was conscious of leaving it behind back in those days, obviously there was no such thing as DNA. So he would probably think, well, what can they pick up from a tie? He wouldn't have known anything about the, the minute particles and you know, the, what was discovered on it later on. So, you know, uh, yeah, I think really he just planned it well. He executed it well and he kept his head down and and protected his identity ever since, I think, is is, is really what, why it's not. And, and probably as well, maybe maybe lack of. Well, who am I to judge the, F- the competency of the FBI? But maybe a slight lack of competency, or you know, energy and vigor and, and application on the part of the FBI and the police, maybe is another reason. But as I say, I, I'm not really in a position to judge that. Um, although you know, that th- that could be possibly one of the reasons, as you say. Why? I mean, they've I mean, they've they've thrown the towel in basically now, haven't they? They've decided what five years ago, whatever it was, it's it's no longer an active case. So. They've admitted but they gave defeat. it 45 years. Well, they did. That's true. And, you know, I mean, you think to yourself, well, hey, you know, why don't you just, why not go out with a, uh, why 45? Why not wait till 50, you know, and just sort of, <laughs> <laughs> they could have announced it at CooperCon, you know, at the 50th anniversary. <laughs> Maybe they should have done that. Yeah. FBI, if you're listening, why didn't you have the foresight to do it at the 50th <laughs> anniversary? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Although it would, as it turned out, um, Oh no, no, that's right. No, sorry, it was the fiftieth. Well, yeah, I was thinking it was delayed by year because of COVID, but it wasn't. It was the fiftieth anniversary, wasn't it? What, last yeah. year, yeah, twenty-one seventy-one. Yeah, Rob, what do you think but, it will take to solve this case? Well, interestingly enough, I just watched one of the the little um, video snippets that Eric does, and that he puts on the um, on the the Facebook on well on YouTube as well on the, on the Facebook group. The latest one, uh, he, and I didn't know anything about this. He mentions uh, apparently that they found uh, one of Cooper's hairs that was stuck on the, the the seat cover on the back of the headrest on the seat, which was discovered at the time and kept as evidence and apparently got lost somehow or other in the, you know, in the meantime, in the intervening years in, in transit somehow between the FBI lab at, is it called Quantico? Yeah. Is that where the FBI headquarters, I presume that is. And, and and the field office at Seattle or, or whichever one it was going, you know, they were going backwards and forwards between. And obviously, as the same scenario seems to have, have happened with the cigarette butts, doesn't it? And, and some other, I think, aspects of evidence as well that over the years have, have been lost or, I don't know, misappropriated, whatever term you want to use. But I didn't know about that. And that sounds really so apparently he's, he's trying to do a bit of research into that, I think, at the moment and see if if he can discover what happened to that, because he reckons now with DNA modern dna um capabilities they could actually if they could if they still had that um hair which they believe came from cooper uh they could actually come up with possibly an identity for for him you know with, with the, the modern with modern um methods yeah at the very least it, we could come up with okay he's part of this family tree yeah yeah so so maybe that really is a potential you know you never know something that, that, but I think something like that, um, I know Marty was talking, Marty mentioned as well about the um, publication of the census data and um, being able to narrow, you know, narrow down names through that in, in a certain, I don't know when the, the one that covers, um, you know, 
it, I think he, he, he was on about looking at deaths recorded, you know, so and using names from that. I, um, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I, I got this slightly confused now, uh, trying to just re recollect from what he said when I spoke to him at CooperCon and what I read in his book. But he, he, I'm sure he said there's a potential in, in, in future years, not just yet, but in future years when, when census data is catalogued and published from that period and since, that there'd be a potential to identify quite a small number of potential candidates from that information and from the names on there. So, so maybe maybe there's there's a possible route um, to to shedding more light in it through through that. But yeah, other than that, who knows? Because I mean, I just you know, I, I mean, is, well, one thing we can say I think with certainty is that he's no longer all around now. I mean, even if he didn't die at the time in in the actual act of the hijacking, he's got to have died essentially because he's got to be nearly a hundred now. If he's still alive, going off the you know the age profile. What? what is generally accepted mid 40s yeah not many chain smokers from the 70s are alive today in their late 90s yes yeah, so, so so he's likely to have passed on by now and so you know it's it's highly unlikely that there's going to be a sudden revelation i.e a deathbed confession which you just can't give any credence to anyway from well, not anymore <laughs> if there was yeah. just one deathbed confession then okay well exactly. that's really interesting but We've had we've had dozens. Sure, yeah, and you know it. Yeah, no. To me, I, I mean, he it didn't strike me as being the, the kind. You know, if if he if he'd executed it and kept his counsel all these years, or however many years, you know, until his death, and kept quiet and, and just not talk. You know, it just doesn't seem to fit in with his, Cooper's. You know, obviously, we don't really know very much about him, but. The kind of, I mean, he's almost been given a personality, I think, hasn't he? And been given a character, uh, you know, that's been ascribed to him over the years by, by, you know, the Cooper world, the the, the Cooper, um, well, not just the Cooper vortex, but you know, the Cooper Cooperverse. That was the term I was looking for, you know, because there's very little, obviously, solid information and and verifiable information known about this guy, but because of the the, the story that's been told and the information that's been relayed, obviously. Uh, and also the le the way the legend evolved over the years, he's been given a character. And I, I often, it almost feels like I think to a lot of us involved in this, it's almost like you kind of know him. You know, almost feel like you know his character, and you know, or, or at least you you what you assume to be his character, and you kind of identify him as a almost uh, you know identify with the person, the persona of Cooper. So that's why I say I I just don't think a deathbed confession fits in with my image and perception and, and feeling for the guy. It just wouldn't be his style, if I can put it like that. Yeah, I think that's well said. You know, Tessa D'Amico was on the show, and she said, if you confess yeah. to the crime, you're out as a suspect, in my opinion. That's right. Yeah, I, yeah, I listened to that one. Yeah, and I, I'm inclined to agree with her. Yeah, I must admit. Yeah, it's, it's a, I think so. Yeah, just why wait until you're dead, you know, you would have told some, you know, if you wanted to get your story out there, if you wanted it, you would have let slip to somebody, something to somebody. And, you know, I, I just don't buy it. No, de de deathbed confessions, it just doesn't stack up. I know there's obviously, you know, that, that you, you could argue that, well, it's too dangerous to tell anybody and, until because of the, um, oh, what's the, what, what was that term? That, what, what's the thing? Where, the where John Doe indictment. Yeah, yeah. So, and which presumably would have been aware of. So that even year, you know, forty odd years or whatever after the fact, he could still have been charged and arrested and 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 um, and, and tried for the case. 
yeah, okay, that is an art, that is a that is a, a fair point to make for a reason. But then again, you know, no, I just I just I just don't see it because you know, are you not implicating? He's gonna if he does that, you, you leave behind surely jeopardy for your family members and your close friends, don't you? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, I and then and it doesn't sound like the kind of guy to do that. No, I just no. I just I just can't subscribe to the deathbed confession theory. Oh, I'm sorry. Not big, not least because all of the most of the suspects, what as far as I'm aware, who seem to have made deathbed confessions, I, I just don't buy as suspects. Oh, oh I mean look, they are suspects, but I, I don't buy as being you know bona fide contenders for being Cooper anyway. So partly it's to do with that as well. Why do you think so many people have confessed to this crime? Well, I, I, it's, I mean, I think a lot of people confess to a lot of crimes, don't they, that they haven't committed. It's kind of a bit of a thing for a certain type of individual. But this one, obviously, the, the potential is there because, because of the lack of, of um, information, the lack of, 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 well, because it's not being solved and because it's, it's been an open-ended case for so long, it almost invites people, doesn't it, who are a little... Who, who maybe want to leave a bit of lead, you know, a bit of a legacy or something, or or maybe want a bit more notoriety than than they achieved in their lives. It's kind of a tempting thing, you know. You can kind of understand the mindset really of somebody wanting to do that. And yeah, the, the, and because I suppose, you know, there's a there's a there's not a lot of um, challenge to it, and you know, it, it's hard to say, oh well, no, he definitely wasn't Cooper because of this. Because there's there's so little certainty in the case, so it's you know if, if you're going to confess to a crime they haven't committed, it's a good one to confess to, <laughs> because you because you, because you, you may well become a cult hero as well. Well said. Do you think that he chose the name Dan Cooper as an homage to the comic book? Absolutely. I I, I was looking forward to this question because it's one of the the, the things I I really feel the most strongly about. One hundred percent. That was where it came from. Now I don't know exactly how you know uh, the, he discovered it. Obviously, you know it, it's it's well known to be a, a thing that was of limited circulation. You know, it was only in French, I believe, wasn't it? The, the comic. Uh, what was it called? The comic book was it actually called Dan Cooper. Dan Cooper. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it in in French, and I've seen it in Spanish. Okay, right. Well, it was not, but it, according to you know general consensus, it's not been translated into, or certainly not, you know, published in English. No, not for years later. I have a, I have a Dan Cooper book that's in English that it's from like 1989 or something, where it's a collection of the comics. Oh, okay. In English. Yeah. So, so obviously, you know, it's kind of obscure, and he would have to it mean that he would have to have either um, discovered it. Which you know, I think it's generally accepted. It sounds pretty likely that Cooper did serve in, in um, World War Two, or had military service at least, and you know, could well have been over in in Europe uh, around the time that, that that comet was around, or could have been aware of it. You know, if if he was if he was of French Canadian descent, you know, uh, yeah, it, it's obviously it's it's not like it's a it's a really it's not like it's the Bible of you know. <laughs> You know, sort of a, it's not like it's Time magazine, is it? But so it's obviously fairly obscure. But here's the thing with it for me the chances of him coming up with that name by random, and it just so happens to be this, you know, uh, comic book hero who jumps out of planes. And I think, is there not one comic where he actually does it in a business suit? I'm sure I've seen a picture of he's actually in a business suit, actually looks like Cooper, you know. So 
it has to be. You know, it, it just has to be for me. It, it's just it's because also as well, it's Dan Cooper, not Daniel Cooper. And if he's just plucking names at random, and, sh- and I would have thought, okay, I know the America's always been less formal than here and, and slightly more, well, relaxed in terms of social attitudes than here. But I would have thought in that period of time, you know, in the 60s, 70s, certainly here, you probably refer to yourself as Daniel Cooper than Dan Cooper. And I would have thought probably the same in the States, you know, it would be more, particularly if you fit in a, like a document, like an airline ticket. I know he didn't write it. He told the, the desk agent, didn't he? Um, but I would have thought he would have said Daniel Cooper, not Dan Cooper. So for me, it's just far too much of a coincidence for, you know, for that to be a random. And, and to be honest with you, it, it really it puzzles me. And the number of times, because a lot of the, you know, you ask this question a lot. And a lot of people you've had on the podcast, in fact, more than I would have expected, have said that they don't think it's connected. And that always surprises me because I think it's one of the most solid, solid uh, features of the whole case you know it's um it, it just i get yeah that, that's what i was yeah that's what i thought i was going to mention to you uh because you said to me when we were talking about setting this up about how you, you know you, you did the zoom call with uh, robert edwards uh the, the brit who you had on uh who did the book who, who the three the flight 305 book who, who was published last year yeah he, he um, was in transylvania though oh was he right fancy that wow as you, well fair enough as is his one um but anyway right so his name, right, Dr. Robert Edwards. My, that's his first name. His my, my given names, my surname, my, my first and second names are Robert Edward. Okay. <laughs> now, how many British people have you had on this podcast? Uh, well, with you, it will be two. There you go. So that's a coincidence. You see, we're both, happen to, we're both British. You've both, we've, we've both done this podcast with you on Zoom, and we both have the names Robert Edward. That's a coincidence. Okay. Choosing the name Dan Cooper from a random choice of hundreds of names who, ha- when you're about to hijack a plane, wearing a suit and bail out, and this guy happens to be a comic book hero who does the same thing, I'm sorry, that is not a coincidence. That is planned. I agree with you 100%. And Thank you. It's, <laughs> I've used that example before. Like If I robbed a train and I escaped on a skateboard and my ticket said Tony Hawk, do you think that's a coincidence? <laughs> or do you think I'm doing an homage to Tony Hawk? Good one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, quite right. Um, so I think we've nailed that one there, haven't we? I think we have. We've solved it. It's official. And also as well, I just think it, it, it's, it's, fit, it's in keeping with his character as well. You know, a little bit of humour, a little bit of a sort of a, not, you know, kind of um, slight lightheartedness about the whole affair almost. You know, just just making that reference there, it's it's sort of it, it it's just in keeping with the, the whole kind of cut of his jib, if you know what I mean. Yeah. All right. Now for the really hard question, Rob, how did the money get to Tina Bar? Right. Okay. Here's another what. Here's another aspect where I, I like to think um, that I'm on fairly firm ground, as it were, and that's because. Um, um, as I said to you before, that, that this is why I don't um, believe in the the alternative flight path scenario because I don't think you need it to explain why the money got to Tina Bar because I think it was uh, it wasn't because of the flight path. The reason why it ended up there, and and uh, I didn't I didn't know I didn't realize this I, I didn't notice this the first time around. But Gunther actually mentions this in his book, and apparently one of the sheriffs in the at the time it was in, I can't remember the name 
one of the sheriffs who was investigating it at the time proposed this thing, which is the same thing that I've assumed just off my own back, not because I've read it anywhere or, or, or heard anybody else say it, but I just, I just thought about it and thought, because the thing is, I think a lot of the time, and particularly with this case and with probably most crime cases and mysteries, it's easy to make things more complicated than they need to be. Would you say? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and just in general in life, I mean, you must, you're a man of a certain age now, you know, and I'm suggesting nothing by that. <laughs> so you must have discovered that a lot of the time things are more simple than they turn out to be a bit more, pretty more simple and straightforward and mundane than they might initially appear to be. Yeah, I think would that's you, safe would, to say. Yeah. So, so the money, you know, I don't think it got there by, you know, um, any human intervention. I don't think it was um, the washugal washdown theory, as bizarre as that seems. Um, and I certainly don't think Dwayne Webber threw it off the bridge and it land, ended up um, traveling down the river and, and depositing itself there. I think it's a really simple explanation, really. I actually ran this by Tom Kay at CooperCon and he, and he basically sort of said, yeah, there's no reason why that couldn't happen. I just think he dropped the bundle of money in the aircraft as he was exiting it, because, you know, which could easily be done. I mean, you know, you imagine the, the howling wind, you know, blowing around the noise, the chaos that would have been going on in there. And the fact that he got this sort of undesirable little duffel bag that he had to tie up to fit all the money in, you know, rather than a backpack to carry the money. You know, it could have easily dropped one of the bundles or it fell out of the bag as he was leaving the plane. It, it, it drops on the... the the top of the stairs or one of the steps and then remains there for a bit after Cooper's jumped. The steps are moving up and down in the, in the wind, in the airflow, the money gradually works its way down the steps and either falls or is blown off just as the aircraft is passing over the Columbia further, a bit further along the flight path, just, um, you know, over, well, I don't I'm not quite remember, can't quite remember exactly where it passes over the river now on the FBI flight path, but it's not far from Portland airport, is it? Somewhere no, around real there. close. Yeah. So so it falls out there and lands on the riverbank where it stays until the flood in 72, which comes along. There, there was the spring flood, wasn't there? Yes. I, I think, think there was one in 72 and another in 76. Right. Yeah. But but crucially, the, the Tom Kay's findings about the diatoms indicating that it, it was not exposed to water in the winter, but it was exposed to, it was in the water in the spring. So the money rests on the riverbank. Then they have the flood in the spring, picks up the money where it's laying undiscovered because it might, you know, it could be in some reeds or some bushes or whatever, you know, out of view. So nobody discovers it. So the, the water rises, picks up the money. It travels a bit along the river in the direction of Tina Bar because that's the way it flows in it towards the Pacific Ocean and then gets deposited at Tina Bar. The water then recedes, you know, after the flood uh, and it gets a bit of or, you know, a bit of sediment gets put on top of the sand as the natural processes in a river, big river like the Columbia. And it's buried there. And that's where it stays until Brian Ingram discovers it um, in um, 80, was it 1980? Yeah. And there you go. And to me, so, you know, that to me, I can't think of a simpler explanation, really, that, that kind of covers covers what it needs to cover you know that that, that would explain why it, it, they've only got its own had it, tom only found the spring diatoms on it on the money and how it got there so you, you don't you don't need an alternative flight path you don't need any human involvement for burial you know and uh that's it you know that that's my that's my theory on the money i like it 
there's no way of uh, obviously verifying it, you know, now. <laughs> you know, I, I could be just completely barking up the wrong tree. But, um, to, yeah, to me, that, that, as I say, a lot of the time, things are overcomplicated unnecessarily. And I, I just would subscribe to the, 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 the more simpler possible explanation, which, which I think that is. I, d- I don't think he buries it. Anyway, aside from the fact that um, that's how I think it got there, I, I, I cannot see him burying it anywhere. After he's gone through what he's gone through to get that money, you know, you, you've just committed the crime of the century, so to speak. You've got 200 grand, you know, you've, you've, you've made the landing, you, you've, you've, you've done it, basically. You are not letting that money out of your sight, are you? Seriously? I just don't think he's going to bury it somewhere and leave it. Yeah, I agree. Burying money is such like a stereotypical trope in movies. Like, mm. does anyone store their money by burying it? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't know <laughs> anyone else that does. So, I, of course, you know, yeah, if, if you're going along the, that line of thought, then of course he's got to, if he's not burying it, he's, he's got to, he's got to, you know, he's got a fair bit of bulk to carry and, and conceal and take with him. All right, he's got the problem of that. But, you know, I, I think that's far more preferable than leaving it to potentially be discovered or forgetting where you've buried it and never finding it again. Right, and now you're returning to the scene of the crime to that as well. get the money, which that, yes. that seems more suspicious than you just walking out of the woods with a duffel bag in the first place. Definitely, yeah. Excuse me, sir, what are you looking for? <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> you know, just some uh, animal eggs or something. I don't know. But of course, this is assuming that he manages to hold onto the money. Yes. And, uh, you know, that's the other aspect. Yeah. That we, we, of course, we all want him to. And I, I want to believe he did get away with it. But it's quite a real possibility that he, you know, you know I, I know you don't particularly want to spend much time talking about Dan Grider, but um, <laughs> you, you, you would have seen his video that he produced um, before Christmas, uh, you know, about his, his, um, you know, uh, opinions and views on, on the case. And, and I watched it. Uh, I watched the premiere. I watched it the second it came out. Really? Right. Okay. Yeah. I must admit, you know, to give him, I know you, you, you know, I, I, and certainly, uh, you know, I'm not going to raise this. I'm sure it's not something you don't want to spend any time discussing, but I know you and Eric have had your kind of differences with him in the, in the, in the, the intervening time since. Well, he wanted me to publicly state that he solved the case. Well, he hasn't though, has he? I don't believe so. <laughs> no, definitely hasn't. But nevertheless, I must admit, you know, uh, it, I, th- I, th- I thought it was pretty cool what he did there, that jump over the, you know, recreated it on the 50th anniversary, dressed as Cooper with the, uh, with the jumping out with the money and everything. I thought that was quite, I did, I did find that quite, uh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I like Dan Greider. I liked his documentary he made. It's on YouTube. It's called DB Cooper, a, a family story. Something like that. Uh, deep, deep Family Secrets? Deep Family Secrets. You're right. Thank you, Rob. Yeah, yeah, yeah I watched D.B. It, yeah. Cooper, Deep Family Secrets. It's. I think it's good. I, I love watching D.B. Cooper stuff. If, if you're listening and you make a movie about D.B. Cooper, you don't have to tell me to watch it. I'm going to watch it on my own. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. But, but he demonstrated, though, as you say, he demonstrated in, in how difficult it w- would be to actually hold on to the money. Um, so, you know, I think it is a real possibility that he did lose the money, actually. Yeah, I think that's a possibility as well. W- what do you think of his suspect, Richard McCoy? No, it's, uh, I mean, I was surprised, actually. Um, I, I never, I didn't see that coming. 
it's kind of it's a it's almost like a um a, a documentary of two halves i thought and i enjoyed it it was good i, I it was entertaining but i, I didn't I, you you had no idea what suspect he was going to propose until all of a sudden he revealed it and and then uh, obviously um um presented his 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 kids uh, richard mccoy's children um uh, uh, in the documentary as well but i was quite shocked when he came up with mccoy i just didn't see it going that way at all because I just don't think it is. No, definitely not. Hundred percent, it's not McCoy. There's so many reasons, uh, which you, you've you've discussed on several several previous podcasts. Um, but the main ones really being his age and appearance. You know, just didn't match. The, the, you know, the big ears. You know, the 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 balding head. I know. You know, there's potential for disguise and so forth. But you know, I, I think they would have they would have been more prominent in the description suspect description. But the main thing for me, which disqualifies Richard McCoy, you just, you know, obviously the theory goes that he did it again because he, he lost the money the first time. And so he did it again. And, well, apart from the fact that he got caught a few days after, you know, he executed it successfully and kept the money the next time. But I just think, you know, you wouldn't, it, it's too soon. It was, what, four or five months after the, the original one? Yeah. You know? It's still far too that, that you know you're gonna leave, if you're gonna do it again, he's gonna lie. You're gonna lie low for longer than that. There's no way you would do it again so soon. I just don't buy it. Do you think there's a possibility that McCoy knew Cooper? Not really. No. I don't, yeah, I've heard that. I don't really know where that comes from. Who, who, it comes what? from me. I'm the only one floating <laughs> that theory. Well, well, well. Say no more. That, that's that's fair. Enough. That's good enough for me if it comes from you, mate. Um, no, I don't think he did. I don't think there's any, any specific evidence to suggest that is that. And it's hard to say. It's hard to. It's hard to really subscribe to that scene as we don't know who Cooper was. Um, you mean just because it, it just it, it just is a connection and he, he took advice from him or something, or he wanted to better him and do it, you know, for more money. I don't yeah, know. I, don't I think, think there's there are a few things that McCoy improved upon over Cooper's hijacking. He gave more specific flight instructions. He brought his own parachute on board. Right. Yeah. His uh, execution of the plan was not nearly as as smooth as Cooper, who was famously like calm, cool, and collected. McCoy yeah. drew attention to himself. He was sloppy. But the idea that McCoy and Cooper knew each other, and maybe Cooper was even like, hey, um, here's where I screwed up. You got to give more specific flight instructions and they're going to be putting trackers in the parachutes now. So bring your own aboard. Yeah, it's it's yeah. wild speculation on my part. There are some. It's a fair argument. Yeah. It, it's, it's a fair argument to make though. That like um, Wolfgang Gossett, Ted Braden, you know, maybe there's potential they were running in the same circles, may have known each other, Braden and. McCoy were both is, is special from, forces that, in Vietnam. Yeah, special, right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to make, make, make that connection. Yeah, quite possibly. You know, it, it, I mean, because Ted, I don't think, um, yeah, Ted, is it Wolfgang Gossett or William Gossett? Both. He was oh. born William Gossett and then later in life became Wolfgang. Uh, okay, but it's the same guy. Okay, yeah. right. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that, that, I, I think of all, yeah, of all them kind of guys, I think Ted Braden's possibly the strongest suspect, isn't he? He's pretty, he, he, he looks, he looks kind of similar. He's got the skill set. 
motive's a bit sketchy on Ted Braden, is he? But I mean, I've, I've only recently discovered Ted Braden, but he, I must admit, you know, he, he's a fairly, he's quite a strong candidate, you know, really. But yeah, there is a possibility. I mean, it's it's a good, I mean, I, I, I think it's a fairly safe bet to say Cooper had some kind of military experience, parachute training, you know, he knew what he was doing. He wasn't an amateur, just have a go hero type. I agree. It's not, you're not. He would going, have killed himself if he was. Yeah, this isn't going to be your first jump. You don't no plan way. a daring crime, but your only escape is on some specialized racing motorcycle. And you've never ridden a motorcycle. That's a, <laughs> that's a terrible plan. It doesn't yeah, work. Good analogy, yeah. No, no, it doesn't. No. So, so, so it, it, it's highly likely that, you know, he, he had, he came from a military background. Yeah, may have served in Vietnam. So, you know, and, and obviously that, that, that uh, you know, gives a lot of weight to, to suspects with that background. But um, no, I mean, certainly, as I say, the likes of Richard McCoy, and then if you're talking about, obviously, that type of guy as well, you've got Rackstrom, haven't you? Uh, but he's not, he's not a good suspect for me either, really. He, he, he doesn't fit the, um, the character in, well enough. He's, he's too brash, he's too flamboyant, he's too cocky you know and, uh, and and also as well if it was him they would have got him because they they, they were all over him weren't they oh yeah the FDR. The mccoy and rackstra those are two names that just keep people coming to me. oh i know who db cooper was it was this guy yeah. in san diego he i saw him yeah. on tv or oh i know who it was is richard mccoy i just watched this documentary on youtube and totally solves it and the thing that bugs me about both of those guys is both Rackstraw and McCoy are essentially 20 years younger than what the stewardess who sat next to him for three hours said his age was. That's a big difference. You know, I can look at you and say, oh, I can't really tell how old Rob is. I'm going to say he's in between 35 and 45. But I wouldn't wouldn't look at you and say, oh, yeah, I think... I think you're in his twenties. You're not, I'm not going to be off by, by 20 years. And also McCoy no, and Rackstra were both thoroughly investigated by the FBI because both of them at one point were in FBI custody. Rackstra yeah. was on trial for murdering his stepfather, I believe. And then McCoy was on trial for his copycat skyjacking. Yeah. And yeah, I they, think they if would... there was any shred of evidence that the FBI could have used to pin the Cooper skyjacking on them, they would have at the very least tried. Well, uh, yeah. And interestingly as well, you know, um, the lo- I, I just seen um, on the uh, DB Cooper Facebook group, mystery group, um, that Larry Carr has um, popped up on there. So it sounds like he is... Now, I mean, I don't know, you know, I'm sure, you know, I'm not going to ask you um, outright or anything about that, but, you know, whether you're not getting him on the podcast. I know you've said you've tried. Stay tuned. Okay, well, great. That's good enough for me. Yeah. But but, but the great, what I'm saying is, um, obviously, he was the FBI case agent in charge for a time. He was, he was the lead agent. So he would know if the FBI, you know, even if there was stuff about these guys that wasn't made public, about Rackstraw and McCoy and the like, he would have had access to the information. So if either of them were, even if they couldn't pin it, even if they couldn't produce the evidence to convict them, he would know whether or not 
you know, they were, you know what I mean? The, 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 he would know what the prevailing wisdom was within the FBI, you know, whether or not they actually were, were McCoy. And if they were, you know, I, would he really be sort of, you know, joining in with the sort of um, the ongoing mystery now? Would he not have invest, you know, used his time as the case agent to um, try to investigate further and, and go back over there? You know, he would have been aware because they were so heavily investigated by the FBI, if there was any real possibility of them actually being Cooper. Well, we have the FBI files if you want to read through them. And uh, I don't because it's they're so long and it's sure. it's not like reading a book. They're not in any sort of order. No, I, I can imagine it being a very tough read. Oh, yeah. And so luckily there are other people going through it, so I don't have to. But <laughs> you can read they investigated McCoy very thoroughly. They thought there was a chance that this wasn't a copycat. This was a person doing it for a second time. And there's eyewitness testimony that's not related to him that puts him at home on Thanksgiving. They checked the mileage on his car and didn't believe he could have done this. They, they looked into it many different ways and don't believe it was McCoy. They showed the stewardesses pictures of McCoy just six months after the D.B. Cooper hijacking and played yep. audio of McCoy speaking. And they all said it wasn't him. So I, I just don't know what more evidence it's not McCoy that you need. Well, plus as well, the lot, you know, just going back to the, the Dan Grider thing again, of his documentary. And I think this goes for any of the suspects who are being proposed by family members. Like, for, so his kids... Uh, that uh, featured in the documentary i would have thought if 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 any of the the, the suspects were, so obviously i'm also talking about um ld cooper marla's uncle uh walt Walter Recker, who is uh is it lisa yeah lisa's lisa story lisa's story that yeah her uncle other, i'm sure there's one or two others as well but obviously mccoy being the most prominent and the one we're talking about now any any of the suspects who are being proposed by family men it just seems to me that surely at some stage, you know, they only seem to have circumstantial and uh, secondhand information as evidence. Surely if it was their relative, it was D.B. Cooper, they would they would at some stage have either had sight of or since or had possession of or would have come across, you know, solid evidence connected to the case. Be that the money, be that the fake bomb, be, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, the, the flight ticket, because I would have presumed Cooper would have had a copy of his flight ticket, wouldn't he? I'd like to think like, so. Yeah. If, it, if so, I was Cooper, I'd hang on to that. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's just something more solid to prove that they actually were Cooper, rather than just what seems to be, you know, just just um, hearsay, you know, stories, circumstantial evidence, unexplained incidents, whatever it may be. You know, I just th- I just think any anybody who's a family member connected to a family member who they who they're saying is Cooper I just would have thought over all this time that they would have had something either solid to produce as evidence or had sight of it or or just been able to say something really really specific that would pinpoint you know say right yeah you can only know that if DB Cooper was your relative but, but, but what and I don't know obviously I, I I don't know every single thing that that, that they've said and and and, and presented with regard to their relatives. But for, as far as I'm aware, all the, fa- all the suspects who are being proposed by family members, i.e. the ones I've just named and, and probably some others, 
it just it does, there doesn't seem to be anything solid that they can put forward to prove it. No, there, there never is. I mean, you've got Kenny Christensen, Dwayne Weber, many, many suspects have been pushed forward by by family. And, you know, people will say you this can't be solved by a confession anymore because there's so many confessions. But I do think if you can tell me a story with enough detail in it that that checks out in my mind or I learn something new, or you have, you know, this reason for uh, how the money got to Tina Barr, or you have a story for what happened when his boots hit the ground. I'm, I'm willing to listen to that. And Mm. I think if the story is good enough that I could be convinced and others could be as well. I just haven't heard that story yet. No, no. Uh, Yeah. I'd agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, as I say, yeah, I, 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 there's none of particularly definitely not McCoy and, and, and the other ones that were mentioned there with the, the family connections and there's none of them that, that stand out for me what, I mean whilst, we, whilst we're talking about named suspects um, obviously I, I said um, Ted Braden stands out for me as being quite a good potential candidate but the, my, my fate and, and just to be you know to um, kind of put my position on record I don't I don't 100% believe that it's any any of the named suspects I, I'm most inclined to believe that we still, we've never heard of him. We've never heard his name. We've never seen it. You know, he's undiscovered the real Cooper, which is probably how he would have wanted it. But if you had to um, pin me down and to say which one of the, the known suspects uh, I think isn't potentially the most, the best candidate, the one I like the best is um, Nicky Broughton's uh, guy, James Klansnick. James Klansnick, yeah. And I'd heard of his name, I think, before Cooper, but I hardly knew anything about him before CooperCon. And obviously met Nicky and, and you guys, and then he was told me a bit about him. And I've looked into him since, and he's a pretty strong candidate. I mean, he's got everything that kind of fits in, really. You know, the the background, um, you know, the, 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 the experience, the knowledge of the aircraft, the Boeing connection, the, the, the management position, the tie can be explained the only thing that's a little bit sketchy is the motive uh which, which i think he falls down on a bit which kind of holds me back from saying yeah i think that could well be him because I, I think it's a stretch to even though i know um he was associated with the boeing supersonic project which got binned and you know of course you know that would have been a disappointment probably to him but you know i i, I don't from what i can gather it doesn't sound like it, it, it sounded like he had a pretty decent life and a pretty nice you know Situated. I don't think he fell on hard times because of that. So I, I just think, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not. I've not heard anything um, on him that would suggest a really strong motive. Um, that's the only thing where I think he slips up. Otherwise, you know, everything else is. It does, and he, and he obviously does look quite like the the image we have of Cooper. So he's a strong candidate, but yeah, I, I just, I just think he's a bit weak on motive. I agree with that a hundred percent. I, you know, I, I've told Nikki that. In William Smith is sort of the same way. It's like you can b- bring a suspect to a certain point. Yeah, it's but that then same it's thing like again. Yeah. You can't prove it or disprove it. It's it puts you in this weird area where I, you know it I does. think most suspects are sort of in that can't be proven, can't be disproven sort yeah. of area. Yeah. Have you read uh, Paratrooper of Fortune by Drew Beeson? 
No, I haven't. No, but um, I do intend to at some point. I, I, um, I, I know you. I'm aware of it, and obviously, I, I, I mean, I can't really recall it. It was one of the early ones, I think. But yeah, I know you did the podcast with Drew, didn't you? Yeah, I did a podcast with Drew. He was the first person to reach out to me and ask to come on the show, which made me feel like, you know, oh, I'm big time. I've made it. People are begging (laughs) to come on my show now. And then uh, he presented Ted Braden, did a a great job. And then a year or two later, he wrote Paratrooper of Fortune and, and came on again. Paratrooper of Fortune, great book. And one of the things I, I like most about it right now, especially, is it's one of the most recent. I, Dr. Edwards' book is the most recent now, but his book, Paratrooper of Fortune, was probably the second most recent book. So it, it gives you a, a different angle on the case. I mean, you read Max Gunther, that's before the internet existed. And mm-hmm. Times are a little bit different the way you can do research. You know, in 1985, if you and I wanted to do research, it involves going to the library. (laughs) So a little bit different. Rob, why do you think this this story, this case appeals so much more to men than women? Probably, yeah. uh, Well, I know this is another one of your uh, stock stock questions. (laughs) Um, (laughs) no, I don't mean that in any kind of derogatory way. It's, 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 a, it's a good question and it's a, an important one. Probably to several factors. Uh, the era when it was committed, it was seen as a man's thing to do. You know, it's kind of, I suppose it's like um, a yearning in most men to, you know, be able to pull, be so daring and pull off something like that. Yeah, I, don't, I suppose, it, yeah, you just kind of associate it with masculinity, don't you? You know, bravado, as I say, a, a, a kind of like a, a stereotypical, you know, male hero of, of the of the period, of the era, really. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, nowadays, it, it's things are different, aren't they? You know, there's a there's a lot less more, a lot less, it's not less clearly defined what's a male pursuit, what's a female pursuit, male interest, female interest. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's... Um, Obviously, the fact that D.B. Cooper himself was a man has probably got some. Or, well, unless, of course, you, you think it was Barb Dayton. Um, but no, I don't know. Yeah, it's just a it's like a classic caper, you know, of its of its time. You know, when when men were meant to be, you know, sort of war heroes and that type of thing and gung ho and what have you. Yeah, I don't know, really. It's, it's why 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 it's a, a, of I mean, I think you've said that it, it, it's still the case, you know, the vast majority of people who are interested in this, even today, and 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 uh, also of the new of people who were coming on board, who are new people who were interested in it, who have not been involved, you know, not been um, looking into it for years. They're mostly male as well, are they? It's, you're not. There's not a great deal of female interest across the board. No, I mean at CooperCon, look around the room. Um, yeah, well, mostly dudes. And then if I look at my audience, if I look at the people who follow me on, on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, 95% men. And that, that's mm. a totally self-selecting audience. You know, it's not like I said at the beginning of each show, this episode is for men to consume only. <laughs> that would be interesting if you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the podcast would be lasting, would be on for very much longer, would it? <laughs> No, yeah, it's it's a funny, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I suppose, old old traditions and habits, and um, I don't know, would you say prejudices, I don't know, predispositions, 
they're ingrained in society, aren't they? And it's a kind of a male thing. I don't know. You know, it's just a masculine bit like bit, bit like why, you know, if you generally, you know, go into a tools shed somewhere and you hear some clanking or bang, tinkering and going on in a shed, you know, in a tool shed, you're looking there, and it's pretty likely to be a guy fiddling, tinkering with something or making something or repairing something rather than a lady. You know, no particular reason for that nowadays, you know, but that's just how it is. Well said. Rob, is there anything I didn't ask you? Oh, probably. For? <laughs> I'm not as prepared as I probably should have been. I know I, I intended to just write loads and loads of notes and just so I didn't forget things. But then I thought, well, I'll just spend the whole interview or whatever you want to call it, just gazing down at a notepad and reading things, which won't be very good, you know, uh, for the format. Um, but uh, I, quite possibly. Um, oh, other than just to say, and I know I've mentioned it already, uh, you know, yeah, CooperCon was fantastic. And what was the best thing about it for me was meeting Bill Mitchell. That was super. I mean, to actually meet him and speak to him and listen to him. I mean, that's, it's virtually the next best thing to meeting Cooper himself. I mean, you know, here we all are. We're just so, in, you know, we're all enthusiastic about this and we all think it's a great thing. And, we're, you know, we're, we're all um, big um, subscribers to the Cooper Vortex and Cooperverse. And so... And obviously, none of us will ever get to meet Cooper if we if 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 ever found out who he was. But but Bill Mitchell was actually there. He saw him. You know, he, he was within whatever six eight feet or something. You know, and it's just like almost it's like he was going to meet and live in history in a way. It was just fantastic. And also as well, the fact that he's such a great guy. You know, really uh, really open and and uh, patient and warm and you know uh, engaging. You know, he was so easy to talk to and. It, you know, I spoke to him several times, as did lots of people, uh, you know, and you because you would think he would be fed up with the whole thing by now. But, you know, clearly he wasn't. And he was just uh, he was brilliant. If you could go back in time and get on flight 305, what would you say to D.B. Cooper? Just leave us some leave us some little extra little clue so we, as to who you were. <laughs> just something just, you know, maybe crypt, however cryptic you want to make it. Just some, you know. Because uh, we just don't, we just can't, we just, we can't get anywhere with the case. And it's just too, you know, I don't know, we just need something more, just a little extra thing, just to, to help it along a bit. You know, just, just tease us with something a bit more, a bit more, something just slightly, a little bit more of information that, that could help, help identify, you know, not, if not who he definitely who he was, who, who he may, who we may likely be to have been. I'm not sort of mangling my words too much. If I could show you the identity of who D.B. Cooper was and you would have all the answers, you know exactly what happens when his boots hit the ground, you know who it was, why he did it, you know it all, but you could never tell anyone else. Would you, would you accept that offer? Wow, that's, um, that's a real catch-22, isn't it? Um, I don't. I, I don't honestly know. <laughs> that would just kill you. That wouldn't. That that would be some. I mean, it'd be torture. I suppose I could make it. Yeah, but then I suppose I could make a deathbed confession. <laughs> <laughs> I say I knew all along it was this guy. Uh, uh, but oh, yeah. What the hell? Yeah, I'd like to know. I think I could keep it to myself. <laughs> all right, Rob. If people want to harass you about your opinions on DB Cooper. Or if they just want to say hi, is there somewhere they can do that? Oh well, I'm um, yeah, they can. I'm on the DB Cooper Facebook. I don't have a um, 
general i'm not on facebook generally uh, <laughs> um as my as my real self for similar reasons to you to yourself actually you said you removed your profile because you just got fed up um too many people contacting you with you know basically harassing you and I just got fed up with Facebook a long time ago on a general personal basis because there was just so much rubbish on there. And, I, you know, it just seemed to be a load of claptrap and drivel, basically, and just stuff that I wasn't interested in, really. And, uh, I seemed to be friends with people I'd never even met or heard of. And I just found the whole thing a bit fake and disingenuous. So I, I, I removed my, my personal profile years ago, but I'm actually on the DBQ Facebook mystery group now as um oh what name did i use jesus christ i just made up a name oh robert coot but you'll, you'll find me on there i'm using james bond as my picture so if anybody wants to say anything to me they just need to go on the db cooper facebook mystery group uh and find uh james bond the james bond icon a picture of sean connery as james bond and that's me i'm, I'm disguising my, i'm going i'm going incognito as james bond on there <laughs> all right final question who was the best james bond well i've just named him it's Sean Connery. <laughs> oh, of course, it has to be the original and the best. Although Daniel Craig's pretty good. I I agree with that as well. Yeah, are you a Bond fan? Yeah, I just watched uh, No Time to Die. Like, oh, I, I two don't spoil. Weeks it. I don't. Ago. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. So don't spoil it. But it, it, is it as good as they say? As people seem to say, it is. It's really good. It's it's okay, really long cool. though. I don't know why does every movie now have to be two hours and forty five minutes. Yeah, it's uh, that. One time, films had like the films were a lot shorter than that, weren't they? I mean, they weren't much more than an hour and a half, two hours tops. I don't know yeah. why that's happened. That is a thing, though, isn't it? You're right there. Yeah, you saw the new Batman. Also, that was three hours long. <laughs> yeah, if you're asking me, they're stretching that franchise out a little bit anyway. Now, Batman, <laughs> kind of, you know, I was done with it after Batman Returns. Well, Rob, uh, Ben Holland and I had a great time hanging out with you at CooperCon. Oh, sure thing. Oh, that's likewise. That's the one. Ah, that's one thing I didn't mention. Yeah, that just to briefly. Uh, I had a great time yeah, with you guys. Likewise, but Ben um, and uh, obviously I was. I thanked him at the time personally, but just to put on record, he was really good to me. That the day before I flew home, he actually took me out on a tour uh, around the drop zone area, and we we went and had a, a just to get a get a feel for for the whole kind of Cooper scenario, you know, and and um, the the drop zone area and just what the the whole place is like and because obviously he lives there um and uh it was really good of him he took me around showed me a few of the different parts of the woods and you know um different and the went down we couldn't get to tina bar but we went nearby on the columbia um but the best thing about it was um just to close this little tidbit uh his little lad his little boy was with us who happens to have the first name cooper Yes. So I was taking on a <laughs> I was taking on a tour around the drop zone with Cooper. I mean, I, you can't get much better than that, can you? <laughs> as much as it pains me to say this, Ben Holland is a pretty good guy. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he is actually. He was, he's a he's a cracking fellow. Yeah, I enjoyed his company as, as I did with all you guys. Yeah, it was. A, it'd be great to go. I mean, unfortunately, it was a bit of a one-off. Um, it's, you know, because it was the 50th anniversary and circumstances just aligned so that I was able to get over there. And I certainly won't, unfortunately won't be able to be coming back on an annual basis. But if the case hasn't been solved and CooperCon is still going strong, I would certainly uh, like to entertain the possibility of coming back for the 60th anniversary and seeing you guys again in, in 10 years or whatever, nine and a bit years time. 
hell yeah, I'm into that idea. Or maybe next time uh, I'm in the UK, I'll give you a ring. Oh, by all means, you must do. Yeah, please do if you're over here. Yeah. Have you ever been to the UK? No, I don't even have a passport. Oh, oh that's right. Of course. You t- <laughs> yeah, you, you you said you were a redneck or something, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you never left the, uh, the trash. Was what... Yeah, that was it. So. <laughs> Your words, not mine. <laughs> Yeah, no, by all means, I'd love to meet if you ever come over to this, or even if you just go into Europe or whatever, you know, this neck of this part of the world. Yeah, give, drop me a, a line and we'll we'll hook up for sure. Hell yeah. Rob, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. It's been a great pleasure and a privilege. And um, what number podcast is this, by the way? I think this will be 62. Oh, fantastic. Well, keep it, keep it going. And I, I know you were talking about maybe winding it up at some stage in the not-too-distant future, but, um, you know, I, I think, you know, as long as you can sucking the juice out of uh, the case <laughs> for you know for one of a bad description you know as long as there's mileage in it yeah keep going i think it's a great thing what you're doing i've tried walking away a few times now so we'll see how it goes yeah. well i'll keep i'll keep uh, my eyes my ears eyes and ears peeled as you say uh, potentially for some interesting um candidates in the future as well um and, and to, you know i know we mentioned larry carr there have I heard you also say at one time you were trying to been trying to get Tina Mucklow on as well? No, I've, that, ma- I've never cool? made an attempt to get Tina Mucklow oh, on. Right. Do you think she'd be? Do you think she'd be possibly open to the to the um, suggestion, or is it off limits? Do you think? I don't know. One of the reasons I don't even want to ask her is she's she hasn't wanted to talk about it. And in that Rolling Stone article that came out, I think twenty nineteen. 2020 maybe uh she specifically mentions being harassed by men about the case and i i don't want to be added to that list sure that's yeah that's a fair that's a fair town standpoint to take although you know it does seem as though she's kind of hidden away for years and stayed out of the limelight and not associated herself with it but just recently all of a sudden it is as if she she's kind of opened up a bit and, and, and now is prepared to talk about it so you never know, maybe it might be worth just a tentative, you know, sort of prod or whatever, you know, just to put a feeler out, just to, just to assess the potential maybe. Because, I mean, that would be box office if you could get her on. That would be pretty cool. Uh, I've been working on Jeffrey Gray for since I oh. started this show. Okay, and yeah. I, I had it scheduled and we've had it rescheduled a few times. So... I'm I'm fairly confident now that it's safe to say he will be on the show. I've bullied him enough that he <laughs> says he's going to do it. Oh, well, that's good. But it hasn't happened yet. That was that one's really exciting for me because reading reading Skyjack is what really sent me into the vortex. Right. That that's the one I haven't read actually. Of, of the books that are, are, are kind of on my list that I, I think I should read and would like to read but haven't read. That's that's the main one. Um, so I, I, yeah, I've not read his book. So, but I, I, I do intend to at some stage, and it would be really interesting to hear from him on here. Be like, yeah, that would be fantastic. Well, stay tuned, Rob. Will do. All right, thanks again, Rob. I appreciate it. Yeah, good to be in touch with you. Look after yourself, Darren. All the best. You too. If you want to hang out with Rob, you can find him on the DB Cooper Mystery Group on Facebook. He's the dude with the James Bond avatar. Do you know who DB Cooper was? Did you find a $20 bill and a parachute in your great-grandpa's old attache case? Do you have a hot take on the Tina Bar money? Hit us up. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or email us, dbcooperpodcast at gmail.com. 
Thank you to Rob Cox for flying over the Atlantic Ocean and the continental U.S. to hang out with me at CooperCon. Thank you to Ben Holland for being the life of the party and the pilot of the party bus. Thank you to Russell Colbert for never slapping anyone on stage. I'm Darren Schaefer, and thank you for listening to the Cooper Vortex. Jacked a plane, so we were told. Then he jumped into the cold. As a burn and a cigarette, in the air, the stage is set. Polite and kind, the people say it's time to make his getaway. This is how the story goes about the money and the man. D.B. Cooper, they call me now. Catch me if you can Roll up in his cold tight He's got enough to change his life Where he landed no one knows But from his tale a legend grows Was a cold dark rainy night As he walked he saw light Held his cash close to his side just needs to catch a ride This is how the story goes About the money and the man D.B. Cooper, they call me now Catch me if you can Cooper's done running now, he was 80.